In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The beginning of the third chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Colossians gives us a broader focus for this reading, to put on charity, to put on love. Because, as he begins, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked when you lived in them. But now put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and foul talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old nature with its practices and have put on the new nature, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there cannot be Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free man, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, and patience, forbearing one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. As tantalizing as it is to return a year later to that favorite theme of Vishira Misericordiae, the bowels of mercy, remember that. Let's think about putting on love, putting on charity. When Paul was writing to this letter to the Colossians, a fairly small city near a major trade route to which 2,000 Jewish families had been relocated, a city which would be destroyed in the year 60 and then rebuilt and then destroyed again by the Saracens in the 6th and 7th century, never to be (coughs) rebuilt again, now lying in ruins. He was encouraging them not to belong to the world. He was encouraging them to remember what it means that you were baptized. What What does it mean that you have died to this world? It means you now live for the next world. This world then is not the place where we attempt to be as comfortable as possible. It is a place where we will be temporarily. 
during which short time we need to keep ourselves well spiritually and do as much good as we can for others, specifically with regard to their salvation. What does it mean to love? It's very clear. It's more than just having a nice attitude towards the other person. It means actually doing something about it. Our Lord makes it very clear. Matthew 25 will always be the benchmark. Did you feed me, clothe me, visit me, take care of me, or did you not? If you did, you belong with me in heaven. If you did not, you have no part of heaven. The, the exact same message comes across loud and clear in the Old Testament. At the other masses this weekend, they're listening to the prophet Isaiah in chapter 58. He makes it very clear. Clothe the naked, shelter the stranger, do good to all. Throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's very clear that this, this commandment to love one another, to take care of them, especially binds us to take care of those who belong to the household of faith, as St. Paul told the Galatians, and even as Isaiah told his listeners. And so, setting aside for a moment our reflections from last Sunday, realizing that there are some things about which we must be of one mind, not just in principle, but even in detail, in implementation. We can't say that we love the unborn and then permit people to destroy them deliberately with the favor of law. There are other ways in which we will be one in mind and principle, but have different ways of implementing the same principle in good faith and even argue with each other about how to imply that principle, specifically with regard to immigration. But today, St. Paul wants us to think about what does this mean for, for me personally, for you personally? Set aside public policy for a few moments, think about your personal policy. Have you put on love? What's especially consistent in the Old Testament, in addition to all the ways that strangers or aliens or sojourners are, are going to be held up to a much higher standard than they were before and will be punished along with the people of God if they disobey any of the commandments that bind the people of God. Still, the people of God can do them no harm. Why? Because they were strangers in the land of Egypt. That comes across again and again and again. You were strangers, so do not wrong the stranger. But there's one passage in the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, where the Lord even identifies himself with his people 
who were strangers. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field to its very border, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. With regard to selling property, it too can't be forever because it belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us. Leviticus chapter 25 verse 23 the land shall not be sold in perpetuity, for the land is mine. For you are strangers and sojourners with me. The people of God couldn't have imagined how that glimpse into the future of how God will be dwell with us and will wander with us and will be a stranger among us when the incarnation would come. And so beyond the initial meditation, that which, should, which we should make even before Lent begins, next Sunday we're in violet for Septuagesima, and so our considerations of how Lent will be spent should for now remind us that Lent should be simply an intensification of what we are already doing, not simply a very different way of life. We will take stock of what we do with our money, our food, our extra clothing, our extra things, the extra rooms in our home, the extra basement. But on a much deeper level, we have to ask ourselves, are we identifying with Christ who dwelled in this world but had no place to rest his head? Do we identify with him and become more like him? This world being a place where we are simply pilgrims, not permanent residents. And as we do so, we will notice that it's, it's easier to make sacrifices and easier to be charitable. Because we are only here for a very short time. Have we learned the lesson of what it means that we have died to this world? We have died with Christ. We have set aside vice. We have set aside clinging to this world. We've set our eyes on what lies above and what lasts forever. And then we recognize why a church, a sanctuary, an altar should be more beautiful than any home. Because it is here where we experience and even see and even touch what lasts forever. Moreover, it's here where we realize that we are the sick and homeless for whom God provides. It's here where we will receive all that we will need for the rest of eternity. It's here where God clothes us, he feeds us, 
He heals us. He provides us with the only thing that we will ever need, his love, his mercy, and his grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.